0: The title of tonight's sermon is Hey Young World, the world is yours. The world is yours. How many of you guys know that Jesus says, Go and, and make disciples and baptize them? Go into all nations. Uh, if you don't know, Jesus said this Hey, greater things you're gonna do than me in my name in the world. The world is yours. God's calling us to be a city on a hill. God's calling us to be light in darkness. God's calling us to be salt in a tasteless world. God is calling us to take dominion, take authority. God's not trying to raise a timid church. God is trying to raise a powerful church and aggressive people that are infatuated with living out the calling that God has for them. The world is yours. Would you just like tell your neighbor that? The world is yours. Come on, would you? would you tell your neighbor? In church, when we say neighbor, we mean the per- the person you're chilling with. All right, the world is yours. Let's go to Let's go to the Book of John. I know I, I know I told you to turn there. Uh, the Book of John, chapter seventeen, verse fourteen, and we'll we'll have fun through there. It says, "I have given them your word." Jesus is talking. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Pause right there. Jesus is saying, for those of you that confess to follow me, those of you that confess to be my people, I have given you my word. And because you have my word and you decide to live differently, the world will hate you. The world hates you because you're not of this world. You are not of this world. You're in it, but you're not of it. And I've given you my word. And because you have my word and you have the truth and you have the knowledge The world will hate you. I don't know about you, but these days, everything that's good is being labeled bad by society. And everything that's bad is being labeled good. And it takes the church of Jesus to stand up, to rise up, and say, hey, we actually have the truth. And it's Jesus Christ and his gospel. And listen, friends, once you decide to stand up for something, understand that you're going to come against opposition. Once you decide to stand up for what you believe in, you're going to come against opposition you actually will probably most likely be hated. And Jesus warns us of this. He says, I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they're not of the world just as I am not of the world. Verse 15, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. So Jesus is interceding for new birth saying, God, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world but just to to keep them away from the evil one. They're not of the world just as I am not of the world. So sanctify them. In the truth, verse 17 says, your word is truth. Verse 18, just as you sent me into the world, I send them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself so that they themselves may also be sanctified in truth. I want to pray over the preaching of God's word. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes uh, if you feel comfortable tonight? God, we love you so much. We, we, we've heard all these words from you. This has been such a prophetic message speaking into our lives what you have to say for us. And God, I pray tonight that we digest your word, that we open our hearts, open our minds to receive it. I pray we leave tonight not with just good ideas. God, we, we leave tonight with God ideas that will leave us with deciding to change things and and, and to, to cut some things off and to bring some new things on and to stop some things and maybe start some other things. God, what's a what's a word from you without a prophetic work that you're calling us to do? So God, we receive the word and we understand this, this is going to change something in our lives. Tonight is going to produce something that will follow through with a different activity, God, in our life. I pray we open up our hearts and all God's people said, come on, all of MBY says... Amen and amen. I don't know if you've ever been somewhere that you're not supposed to be. You can cut the pad. I don't know if you've ever been somewhere you're not supposed to be. I remember, have you ever been somewhere you're not supposed to be? Isn't that so uncomfortable? Raise your hand if you ever been, walked into a room It was the wrong room. Or like you went to a venue and you were at the wrong wedding. I hope that's never happened to you. You walked into an all-white party wearing black. Anybody, anybody. I remember my first day at college, I was running around campus. And I didn't know it would take 20 minutes to park. So I was just barely made it. And I'm looking at the syllabus, and I'm looking at the buildings, and I'm looking at the syllabus, and I'm looking at the buildings. And it, it's just like science at this point. like. And I was convinced. I was like second floor, back, third room to the right. I mean, it was a tough first day of college for me. I pull up. I walk into the classroom, and I'm sitting there. Professor begins to speak, and I'm looking at the board. I'm looking at the professor. I'm looking at her last name on the paper, and I'm like, I don't think that's your last name. I sat there for 30 minutes, and at around 15 minutes, the room started getting really hot. It wasn't the room. I was getting hot. I started sweating, and then it dawned on me, I'm in the wrong room. Oh, my, has this ever happened to you? Some you guys are like, you're an idiot. never happened to me. I'm so sorry. And I'm sitting there, and legit, start sweating. It got really hot. And the professor starts writing stuff on the board, and I'm trying to time this thing out right. Like, I'm looking at the door. I, I decided to sit all the way in the back like an idiot. So that's going to be a long walk to the door. And you're going to hear the, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm that guy, like. First day, bro. Like, come on. And um, so she turns around, she starts touching the board. I'm looking at the door. I'm like looking at this girl's bag. And I'm looking, I start sweating. It gets hot. I start hitting up a friend, like, dude, I'm in the wrong classroom. And and it just got really awkward. Once the professor does that one last turn to the board, I mean, I didn't pack my stuff. I-, I was already packing real nice and quietly and like zipping my bag up real slowly. Trying to be obvious, I'm super embarrassed, I'm sweaty, it's hot. And she turns around and I book it to the door. I get out of the door and once the door closes, I'm just like, oh my goodness. I was not supposed to be in that room. And why do I bring this up? Have you ever been in this scenario where you walked to the wrong room, went to the wrong party, went to the wrong house? I had a friend in New York, he walked into the wrong house one time and ended up in a bar mitzvah. Like, it was just like, what, what, what did I just walk myself, dancing on tables, and he was just like, I guess I'll kick it. <laughs> it's so awkward being in the wrong place. It's so awkward. And listen, friends, I want to let you know, like... This world that we have been born into, Jesus is saying in the book of John, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. You're called to another party, and it's a party in heaven. Anybody excited to go home one day? Come on, God, I can't wait to go home. I got an all right house right now. Come on, we got mansions in heaven, y'all. I'm talking about mansions. Rick Ross' house ain't got nothing about what God got you in heaven. I'm sorry, Rick Ross. got nothing on Jesus. And I think it's so funny how, how we live in this world and we really think this is it. Like we got Jesus, we got the gospel, we have a hope in the future, and, and sometimes we can get confused to really thinking that this is it. Like I talk to Christians all the time that walk away from the faith, and they're like, nah, I just don't think Jesus is the best thing anymore. I, I, I want to do this and I want to do that. I want to follow my own way. And I'm like, did you forget that you're not staying here forever, bro? You've got another 50 years or so, you got another 50, 60 years. One day you will pass away. Sorry to be so morbid, but one day you're gonna die, and you will walk into eternity in your real home with the creator. And in verse 14, Jesus says, John chapter 17, verse 14, they are not of the world. Like you're here, but you're not here. Like you're like, yeah, you're here, but but God's gonna take you home one day. And, and we can be so caught up in what we're doing and what's going on and what's the next day and when's the next paycheck and when's the next this or that, that we forget why we're here because we don't, we don't think there's something else. And Jesus is saying, no, you're not of this world just as I am not of this world. So like Jesus was born and through a virgin and, you know, baby Jesus pops out and he lives 33 years and he dies for all humanity, raises up on the third day. And the same way we see Jesus like, yeah, you're human, but you were sent from somewhere. Jesus is like, yeah, I was sent somewhere, so were you. I came from a different place, so were you. And we're going to go back to that place. And here's what intrigues me, verse 15. When you read the Bible and you have questions, you have to have fun. This is your moment to really turn up. Verse 15, Jesus is interceding for us. Jesus is praying for us. And he tells the Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world but to keep them away from the evil one. I'm not asking you to take them out of this world. I'm asking you, Father, to keep them away from the evil one. My first idea tonight is that Jesus prays for your protection and not for your removal. Jesus' concern is not to take you home. Jesus' concern is to protect you from the enemy, from sin, from temptation... Because the goal is not removal, the goal is protection. And we can get so caught up sometimes. The church, especially, can get so caught up looking for signs and wonders, trying to calculate the day that Jesus comes back, when in all actuality, He hasn't returned because he wants you to be light in the middle of darkness. He still wants to reach people. It's not that you would be removed. It's that that you'll be protected. And maybe a lot of followers of Jesus, after a while following Jesus, they end up being more worried about their removal rather than their protection. I don't know about you, but when I need protection, it's because I'm on an assignment. When I need removal, it's because I've lost direction. Come on. (laughs) Y'all receiving this tonight? God is preaching. When I need removal, that's probably because I lost. My direction, but when I need protection, that's because I'm on point with what God wants to do in my life. Next idea is that, listen, you know why God's more concerned? Jesus is praying for your protection and not for your removal. That's because God is not done with us yet. He's not done with you. Yet. If you woke up today and you brushed your teeth and you took a shower and you brushed your hair, I got to tell you, God has a purpose for you today. God has something. Listen, God's purpose for you today is not to just work, get paid, go to school, do homework, and then go to bed. God's called you to be light in the middle of darkness because there's a world that he's saying, listen, it's yours. It's yours. Once you walk into the room, anything can happen because you're not just a regular dude. You are a man of God. Once you walk into that supermarket, anything can happen. Why? Because you're not just a girl that was born out of matter and space and your parents told you, hey, you were an accident. You were not an accident, even if your parents didn't plan for you. You are an eternal thought. God says, I formed you in your mother's womb. I thought about you and your name before the foundations of the earth. What does that mean? Before your parents even got together, God knew your name. As your parents were deciding what your name was going to be, God was already in the presence saying, yeah, her name is going to be that, but you can go ahead and decide. I already know. I've got a plan for her. And most of the time, it's not denying that God has a plan for it, It's agreeing for the plan of God in our lives. Because if you're alive, God is not done with you yet. Your The biggest thing about your life isn't like what society says it is. Society says the biggest thing that you should be worried about in your life is your appearance. When Jesus actually looks at the heart. Society says what you should worry about the most is How big your bank account is. And the kingdom says, no, it's who you're bringing to heaven. Because in heaven, then you get rewarded for what you've done here on earth. And verse 17, I love this. Verse verse 18, Jesus says, just as you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. Here's my biggest point tonight. This is, if you really understand this and you accept it, it will change your life. My next idea is this. You got to understand, I am sent. 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 You are sent. If you are living and breathing, especially after a pandemic, God has a plan and purpose for your life. You're sent. You're not an accident. I don't care if people don't gas you up like you want to be gassed up. Oh, God is so crazy over you. You want to know how? Because he just allowed you to take this breath right there. He's given you a family. He's given you grace. He's, when you wake up and you see the sun, he, come on, he's like one mile north. If the earth was one mile north, we'd get burnt by the sun. If the earth was one mile south, we'd get frozen to death. I mean, even the earth and the sun being strategically placed there, we're the only planet in the universe that is suitable for life. You know, God has sent you here. He sent you here. And I've seen so many Christians walk away from Jesus. You know why? Because they never figured out why God sent him. You Never figured it out. You, ne- you never agreed with God that you were sent. You started listening to the lies of the enemy that you're an accident formed by a big bang millions of years ago. And, and you're here for a moment and you're gone the next and no one's ever going to remember you. And after you die, you go six feet under. Friends, you know when you die, you lose like two pounds of weight. That's because your spirit and soul has left your body. That's science. That's not even about Bible. That's science. You lose weight when you die because something leaves. It's your soul. And your flesh may be 80 years old, 90 years old, 100, but your spirit lives on forever. You're sent here. You're sent here. You're not an accident. You're sent here. Here's my next idea. Jesus sends and Satan wants stagnation. Jesus sends you, but the devil, the enemy of your soul, he wants you to stay still. Isn't that so funny? That God has literally formed every single person in this world. And he sent them to this earth for a reason, for a purpose. And the enemy's biggest goal is to get you to stay right where you're at. Don't move, don't go anywhere. Here's some things the enemy wants you to stay in. Next point, he wants you to stay in that relationship. This can be a romantic relationship that you know is not pleasing God, is not honoring God, is pulling you away from the reason why you're sent. Listen, friends, if you want to serve God the best, find someone that understands they're sent too. Like in your dating process, you should ask that question. So where is God leading you? Oh, I don't know. All right, well, obviously if I get with you, I'm going to get lost. Obviously, if I join forces with you, this is not going to work out. Because, listen, I'm sent to be a messenger of Jesus into this world. I'm sent to follow Jesus. If you ain't got no idea, you don't even have an obedient and available heart, you got to go, baby boy. Because what good is it to gain a boyfriend and go to hell? Can I talk about it? Can I really talk about it? Because nothing drives young adults more from the church than relationships. And you prayed about it and you prayed about it and you prayed about it and you got with him and you literally got with the devil. And you prayed about her and you prayed about her and you prayed about her and now you had sex and now you got a kid and now you're too ashamed and now you're going to nobody's church and now you're just doing whatever you got to do to get by. Biggest thing that drives young adults out to the church is who you decide to date. Listen, friends, ask them, where are you going? Because I'm sent. God placed me here. I'm not an accident. I was placed here on purpose for purpose. I dare you, In the next date you take. So so where's God sending you? <laughs> Even if God's calling them to something in ministry, just cause y'all both sent, don't mean y'all both sent in the right direction. God's calling me to local ministry, God's calling me to go abroad. Okay, obviously this isn't gonna work. God's calling me to be a missionary. Oh, God's calling me to be a missionary too. All right, we'll keep dating. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Oh no, God's called me local ministry. Oh, me too. God's calling me to serve in the local church. Oh, God's calling me to be a church planner. I'm at New Birth and I hear about these campuses and, and God's stirring something in my heart to go to a city I've never been before to reach people for Jesus. Boy, God's called me to that too. Isn't that a great conversation? But we get so shallow with our relationships, right? We get so shallow. And listen, the enemy is fine with you finding somebody in church. Some of y'all, he's like, I want you to stay stagnant. Jesus sent you here, and the enemy's like, no, stay in that relationship. Listen, I'm not only talking about romantic relationships. I'm talking about some friendships, too. I'm talking about some friendships, too. If you're the smartest person in your group, you got to find a new group. I'm so sorry. I'm not, I don't mean to dog on you like that. But so I had to hear it from somebody, too. If you're the person that loves Jesus the most, and listen, don't go judging people. I can't connect with you no more. I, no, 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 I just I, 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 feel like I need a new group. But the enemy is fine with you staying in that relationship because Jesus sends and the enemy wants you to stay. Stay in that relationship even though it's literally driving you away from Jesus. Stay in that relationship even though it's literally driving you to be who God hasn't called you to be. This whole series, God's saying I'm closer than you know. God's saying, listen, I'm, I'm your dad. You're my, you're my child. Go be great. But one of the biggest things that can stop all those from happening is who you decide to surround yourself with. Who you surround yourself with is who you become. It's who you become. It's who you become. And the enemy is fine with you staying in that relationship. Another thing the enemy wants you to stay stagnant in and stay with is the hurt. The enemy says, please stay with that hurt so that you can be bitter. Because there's nothing better than bitter. That's what the enemy says. It's nothing better than bitter. Bitter makes a sweet worship taste bitter. Bitter makes the sermon that could change your life sound bitter. Bitter makes correction sound like hate and judgment. Bitter makes love feel like just saltiness. And when you carry hurt, you're not going anywhere. You're not going, I'm telling you, forgive people. Just, you remember that day that you found out that Jesus could forgive you right now for no reason? He could just forgive you? You don't gotta pay nothing. Wait, I don't gotta sacrifice no animals. No, you just got to ask for forgiveness. He'll forgive you. What? That's crazy. Even for me killing someone 10 years ago, yeah, past, present, and future, he forgives all of it. Oh, I'll, I'll pray right now. Can I do it right now? You can do it right now. Yeah, you can pray right now. He'll forgive you. Same way you receive God's forgiveness should be the same way we give forgiveness. As quick and as easy we receive forgiveness should be as quick and as easy we give forgiveness away. But the enemy wants you to stay with the hurt. Listen, I'm not saying to date your abuser. I'm saying forgive your abuser. I'm not saying to marry the person that's hurting you. I'm saying forgive them and move on. But sometimes, friends, some people never grow in the church, never grow in God because they're holding on to hurt. They're holding on to hurt. They're holding on to hurt. A great way to not go nowhere is to hold on to what people have done to you. It's to hold on to what people have said about you. It's to hold it. Listen, friends, give people forgiveness because God has forgiven you. I mean, it's so easy. Like, the forgiveness doesn't come from you. You know that. You don't wake up and say, okay, I'm forgiven today. If you're waiting for it to come from you, you'll never do it. But if you take the forgiveness from God, if you receive it, then you can give it because it's not yours. It's from God. And you get it and you give it and you get it and you give it and you get it and we give it. And John says, if you don't forgive your brother, you're an enemy of Christ. How can you say you love God and hate your brother? How can you say you love someone you don't see and hate someone you see every day? Read the book of John. It's one of the craziest gospels. But the enemy wants you to stay in that relationship, stay in that hurt. The enemy also wants you to stay in that sin, which is the next point. To stay in that sin. Stay in the sin, even if it'll cost you to spend more money. Stay in it. Stay in that sin, even if it'll cost you to spend your purity. Please stay in the sin. Stay in the sin even if it costs you to spend your time, to waste your potential. Please stay in the sin. The enemy begs you. You're set, but please stay in the sin that will cost you to spend your sanity and spend your freedom and spend and spend and spend. What am I I trying to say? Next idea is that sin is expensive. It may seem free, but it will cost you your purity. It may seem free, but it will cost you your sanity. And even if you decide to sin off your free will, you know, something you do out of free will you can be, end up bound to. Isn't that so funny how free will can lead to chains? When you go to something that's expensive like sin. This is crazy. Like, like God God really wants you to go into the world. God really wants you to believe that you're sent. But the enemy wants you to stay in some very terrible things. Here's what the enemy wants to do. Next point is that. The enemy wants you to think that staying is safe. Pastor, I don't I don't know I, I don't know if I can go. I mean, I don't have what it takes to go. I don't obviously I'm not trained enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not theologically sound enough. I don't have enough time in the church. I can't I can't go. The enemy wants you to think that staying is safe when actually next point is that stagnation is deadly. And movement is life. If you found yourself living on a beach house and the alarm goes off because the tsunami is coming, you let me know. Is staying safe? If you can look at the horizon and you see the tower of a wave coming your way, let me know. Is is staying safe? No, no, no. Movement is life. We gotta go. We gotta go. I gotta move. I gotta grow. A great way to forget that you're sent is to stay in the sin that you've been dealing with your whole life. At some point, you got to get uncomfortable with sin so that you can break free from it. You got to get uncomfortable with it. Because when you're comfortable with it, you think, okay, it's safe here. I can control the outcome. I got a give and take relationship with the enemy. I'm chilling. I got grace. I'm cool. I'm good. I'm good. When on all actuality, you're still in the same place you were when you got saved. Here's one of my, my favorite verses, First Corinthians chapter thirteen verses eleven. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. But when I became a man, I did away with childish things. What does that mean? Listen, when you were in the world, yeah, you used to talk like the world, cursing every other sentence. You used to think like the world, go at any fresh meat on the block. You used to reason like the world, let me gain, let them lack. But when you got saved, when you came to Jesus, there comes a point when you need to put childish things away because God is trying to mature you. You know that phrase, I can't stay, I got to go? I changed that to this. I can't stay, I got to grow. I can't stay, I got to grow. I got to grow. I can't stay in this spot. I can't stay in this spot. I can't stay here. My next idea is that if I'm growing, I have to be moving. Movement is growth. Because God sent me here to do something, not to stay in my house, not to just go to work, eat, come home, go to work, eat, come home, go to work, go out, eat. I mean, no, I gotta do something for the kingdom. I gotta make noise, I gotta let people know about my faith. I'm sent here for a reason. And if I'm growing in God, that means I'm moving in what he wants me to do. Come on, can you say it again? I am sent. Someone shout it. I am sent. Come on, say it again. I am sent. And listen, church, the world is yours. People are dying. You know, your best friend that don't come to church, they can't wait for you to start talking about Jesus. Your drug, your drug dealer can't wait for you to start talking about Jesus. The people in your life you decide to sin with. They can't wait for you to start talking about Jesus. They're actually more desperate, and, and and until you until you talk about Jesus, they're judging you. They're saying, "Look at this person. They, they love Jesus, but all they do is want to sin with me. It's my biggest customer." And the enemy's looking at some beep some believers and they say, "Hey, they, they want to follow Jesus, but they're my biggest employees." No, 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 no. I am sent here for a reason. I can't dabble with sin. I can't dabble in shallow relationships. I can't gossip. I'm sent here. What the heck am I doing talking about other people? Like, what is it my business about what someone else is doing? I'm sent here. The most stagnant people are gossipers. Yeah. All, they, all, they, all they know is to look at everyone else's situation and ignore the log in their eye, like the Bible says. Why be so focused at the speck in your neighbor's eye when you got a log in your eye? Literally looking at the speck in their eye and you're walking around like this. You saw... Did you see what she just wore to church? uh uh-uh, not on 80s night. I don't care. <laughs> girl, did you see? girl? How did you see? You're the longer than right, the Bible says. No, no, no. The gossipers are stagnant. You got to move on from gossip and lift people up and encourage them up and say, God, what do you want me to do? What are you calling me to do? What are you telling me to do? Life's too short to be focused on everyone else's, like... They're like, there's always that person in church, right? They know everyone's, like, junk. So Why doesn't everyone ever hear about your junk? Because you're so focused on everyone else. No, look at yourself. God forgives everyone. Why can't you? Here's a question you're probably here tonight. Tell me something to do, Pastor. Here's a question. Where am I sent? If I'm sent, where am I sent? Verse 18 says... Just as you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. Here's a picture of the place you're sent. God sent you here. Only place suitable for human life. Might be Mars in 20 years. We don't know. We'll, we'll keep it right now. You're sent here. God sent you there. But God so loved the that he gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. My next point is that God hasn't called you to isolation. He sent you to this earth. He hasn't called you to be stuck in your own little world. No, the world is yours. The world, when you walk into a room, you have all of heaven with you. Do you know that? I dare to start getting to know people. That awesome face of yours, that awesome personality of yours, I dare to start making friends. Because you know, before direction, there has to be connection. And some of you guys are just waiting to evangelize just to direct. No, no, no. Connect before you direct. God has not called you to isolation. Next point is that Christians shouldn't isolate themselves from the world. I really dislike Christian softball groups. I get grossed out. Or, or, or Christian this club. Or, or Christian male this club. Or oh, all, the, all the Christian pregnant women meet here on Thursdays. or no. Like, get out of yourselves. You're called to this world. Let's join the regular baseball league and maybe be light in the middle of darkness. Let's join the regular book club and maybe go to that park. Like, we shouldn't be so. oh, no, just Christians only. Jesus said, I'm going to the Gentiles. I'm going to the prostitutes. I'm going to the tax collectors. I'm going to the broke, the homeless, the lepers. I am for them. I didn't come for saved people. I came for those who are far." You find yourself isolating, oh, I only need these type of people. You no, know, that's really ugly. Stop. You're grossing your pastor out. You're sent. Another place you're sent, you are sent to the gym. So, who got a gym membership in here? Go ahead, and flex. They're like, oh, me. I do. Oh, wait, I did legs today. I, I me. Yo, when you're working out, I dare you to believe that you're sent. I dare you. And this is what I'm not saying to do. Repent, LA Fitness! For the kingdom of heaven is upon us. They're going to be like, yo, is he practicing for Broadway? Like, what's going on here? Is that the next Hamilton? No, no, no. You know know what you do? You're working out, and someone's like, hey, can I go? Yeah, man, what's your name? Connect before you direct. What's your name? Tyler. Oh, nice. Like the creator? Oh, nice to meet you, man. Cool, man. You you go here? Like, yeah, I go here. Duh, you see me? Like, oh, cool, you go here. Cool. How old are you, Tyler? I'm 25. Oh, I'm 25 too. That's cool. That's awesome, man. You come here alone? Yeah, man, you know, I'm just, I'm a loner. Oh, that's, that's cool. Well, now now you know you got a friend every time you come. What days you come? All right, cool. I'll see you tomorrow. Same place, same time, Tyler, all right? The creator. Same time. Same time place. All right. Pull up. I'll spot you. You spot me. Let's do it. Notice, I didn't talk about Jesus yet. Oh, that's dope, man. Because I'm sent to Tyler. I'm not going to push him away. Oh, you know what, want Jesus? All right, get out of my face. Go. No, no, no. I see you right here tomorrow, Tyler. Tyler pulls up. Hey man, you all right? You crying, dog? No, man, I don't cry. No, 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 bro, it's okay to cry. I cry all the time. But you know what? I cry? I cry in church. You go to church, yeah, I go to church. What well, do you go to Tuesday night? You gotta pull up, bro. All the guys at church cry. We cry together. <laughs> Tyler, you single? Yeah, I'm single, bro. There's some pretty girls in my church, bro. You gotta come. And they meet one of y'all, and they're like, "Are you sent? <laughs> you're not sent, okay? Keep trying." Tyler shows up. His life has changed forever. If you got a gym membership, God's called you to that gym, and you're surrounded by consistent tithers too. Hello, they're ready to sow into the kingdom. What would what would life be if your whole gym came to church? We'd we'd have like five campuses in a year probably. You know where else you're sent? You're sent to um, this nice place, Starbucks. You're just you know you're just you're just doing your thing right through your time You're shaking the iced coffee. No, no, no. The girl next to you. Hey, so what's up? I I love that drink. That's awesome. I usually do it hot. You do it iced, I do it hot. Okay. Depends the day. Man, that's cool. What's your name? Huh? Say it again? Wait, say it again. I can't can't hear. Okay. Okay. Nice to meet you, Shanny. Uh, Shanny, <laughs> Shani, nice to meet you. That's cool. That's a different name. That's cool, Shanny. I'll never forget it. Oh, cool. You go to school around here? Oh, cool. Me too. Yo, UCF. Oh, what's up, UCF? No, go Knights. All right. Hey, well, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? You trying to you trying to hang out? You trying to be a friend? Hey, let me get your number. Let me get your Instagram. On her Instagram, like, yo, the aesthetic is crazy. Hey, but what you doing Tuesday? You gotta pull up to my church. We're hanging out. we it's 80s night. We're gonna be dressing. You like to dress up, right? Boom! Ash- Shani shows up. Her life's forever changed because she wasn't just sitting next to anyone at a Starbucks. She was sitting next to someone who was sent here. Yeah. Another place. Another place. You know, I love this place. Oh, the mall. Spot one of your bags. One of your bags. This is you're not gonna do. Repent to everyone in the Florida Mall! It's like them Christians again. Look at them Christians again. No, no, no. You find yourself in the girl section, like, girl, I love that fig. Oh, I'm about to get it myself. That's cool. You go here <laughs> and you. Dog, and <laughs> go oh, here is my favorite place. Oh, that's cool. Another place you can find yourself. Oh, I love this spot. It's the barbershop, right? So, ladies, you at the salon, you probably getting your toes done. You know what I'm saying? But the guys are chilling, you know what I'm saying? Hey, yo, bro, what you doing Sunday? You know what I'm saying? Like, you're sent. My next point is that God is saying this if I sent you, it's for a purpose. I didn't send you for no reason. I sent you for a purpose because there's people around you that are dying. I just gave you five scenarios to talk to strangers. What about your brother that still isn't saved? What about your mom and your dad that won't put the bottle down? What about your cousin that's gangbanging right now? I don't know if you I got a cousin that's gangbanging right now, and I pray for him. He's in New York, and we're praying for him. Kyle's going to do something in his life. But it's not just the the, those outside, it's those inside the house, too. I'm sent here. You know how many stories of like some of us in here coming to church for the first time, their life getting changed, and you be the reason why your entire family gets saved? You know how many times that's happened at this church where we see Sundays escalate because young adults are coming to church with every single person in their household? God's saying, if I sent you, it's for a purpose. And here's the truth because the enemy wants to distract you. You know that. That he doesn't have to kill you to stop you. Because you can be here, and if you don't understand your scent, you ain't doing nothing. You're stagnant. And the enemy's okay with you being stagnant. The enemy's okay with you coming to church if you're not gonna live and be the church outside. The, the enemy's okay with you coming to church. I'm, I, you're walking to the wrong church tonight, right? The enemy's cool with you pulling up, all right? It's when you decide to be Jesus. It's when you decide to understand that this world you're living in, God's called you to be sent for a purpose. Listen, let me give you this. Don't forget the mission. That's the next idea. Don't forget the mission. You're on a mission. There's, there's a reason you're here. Here's another way to say that. Don't forget your assignment. The same way you wake up at 11.45 and remember there's an assignment due at 11.59. You forgot to put on your calendar. Your body just woke you up. Assignment. I dare you to wake up every day and say, God, you, you called me on an assignment today. Who am I? Who are you going to lead me to today? Who are you going to lead me to talk to? Is it a friend, a family member, a stranger? And when it comes to strangers, I gotta give them, you know, the 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 pen to talk. No, no, no. Hey, what's your name? Because before I direct, I gotta connect. Pastor, I'm shy. No, you're not shy. You're sent, and you gotta burst out of your bubble you got to talk to someone. because Listen, someone talked to you and invited you here. And your life has been forever changed since you met Jesus. Let that encourage you to be somebody like that for someone else. John 17, 15. Jesus says, God, I'm not asking you to take them out the world, but keep them away from the evil one. My next point is that the enemy wants you to lose focus on why you're here. Instagram went down yesterday. Y'all knew I was going to talk about that, right? Y'all knew it. It went out, and some of y'all are like, oh, PJ gonna say something tomorrow. I know he's crazy. <laughs> he gonna, try to, say, he gonna pre- try to preach on him. This is all I'm gonna say about that Instagram and Facebook went down, and for some of us, our worlds went down too. I think we've lost focus on our assignment when the worst thing about our day is that we can't look at social media. I don't know about you. Yesterday was very convicting. Yesterday was very convicting. I got one clap in the back. Thank you so much. Praise God. Yesterday was very convicting. Do I click that app over the Bible app more often? Am I more concerned about what's going to refresh on my feed than the word that God's already given me? Am I distracted from the main thing? The best thing about my day, seeing and scrolling, oh man, is the best thing about my day, hearing a word from God and being fulfilled by what he's called me to do. The enemy wants to distract you from the main thing. The enemy wants to distract you from the main thing. If he can make it seem like your appearance, your world, all these things are more important than what God has for you. I'm telling you, you're distracted right now. You're stagnant. And here's why he wants to distract you from the main thing. So that when troubles come, you abandon the mission. I want to give you this point. This is great. This, is this right here, it shook me when the Holy Spirit gave it to me. To give to you tonight. And it's this. Without purpose, opposition seems pointless. Without understanding your purpose, without purpose in life, opposition seems Pointless. God, why does the world hate me? Oh, because I'm sent here. You are sent here, Jesus says, so they will hate you. You have been sent so they will hate you. The world will hate you. But you are not of this world. You are sent to the world. If you forget why you're sent, if you forget your purpose and the hatred comes, you'll question everything. Without purpose in mind, opposition seems pointless. Pointless. Let's contextualize this. Imagine you play for a football team, ladies with me, a flag football or something. If you don't like football, you know, I saw a video of a girl going crazy, she went viral playing flag football. She crossed everybody up. Let's say, let's say we're all on a football team, right? God's football team. And we go on a huddle and it's like preseason, right? And it's not the season yet or the playoffs or the championship. I mean, it's early on. And God's like, hey, y'all. We're going to fight this fight tonight. We're going to try to win this preseason game to get us ready for the season, to get us ready for the playoffs, to get us ready for the championship, and then we can win it all. Are you guys ready to win the chip? Are you guys ready to win the chip? Is New Birth ready to win a championship? Can you shout amen? raw. let's go, yeah. Let's go. One, two, three. There we go. You got to get in the example, you know what I'm saying? Get in it. And then game number one happens. Oh, we hyped up. Chip, chip, we're we'll going to get chip. Boom, the cracking, boom, the hammering. You know, the, the stress, the the the, the 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 tension. I mean, because you know, once you start getting active for Jesus, it's like sometimes the enemy decides to go harder on you. It's like once you get on purpose, the enemy gets you on a target. Oh, wait, 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 she woke up. We got to tempt her more. Oh, wait, 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 he's woke now. We got to try him more. Oh, wait, God delivered one demon? The Bible says that the enemy sends ten more. And that's why you got to put the full armor of God. I'm here for a reason, for a purpose, because we're going to win a chip. But what happens when it's game 15 in the season and your arms hurt and your head is getting hit so much with anxiety, with stress, literal physical abuse? What happens at the end of the season when now everything you've done in the season throws you into the playoffs? And you're just tired. You don't run as fast as you used to. You're beat up. You're hurting. Then the playoffs start. And you're low-key forgetting why you even signed up to be in the team. Ah, right, but let's go. You're running off the hype of other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The game starts. The playoffs start. Smacking and smacking and pain and suffering and hurt and pain and suffering. At this church, we don't preach prosperity gospel. You know that. Name it and claim it. No, that's not the gospel. All the disciples were murdered brutally. Pain, suffering, and Jesus says, it's not that I'm going to take you out of the game. I'm praying that you be protected. And we're fighting and we're going and we're going. I can't tell you how many times people are so close to the end. I mean, we get to the championship game and it's it's like this game determines if we win. This game determines if we win. This last fight determines if we win. And so many times Christians in the middle of the fourth quarter, in the middle of the end of the game, they forget why they're fighting. They forget why they're fighting. They go to the coaches, the pastors, and they say, I'm done fighting. I don't even know why I'm on this team. I don't know why I'm going to church. I want to drink so bad. I want to have sex with whoever I want. to. It's just easier to not fight. And the coach is like, yeah, it's easier, but that's not why you're here. You didn't join this team because it was easy. You joined this team because our head coach told us that there's a fight, that we got to fight because we're going to win this thing. And I can't tell you how many times people in church, they forfeit the game because it's too hard. I can't count how many people left our church after the pandemic. I can't count. This is too, I didn't sign up for this. But friends, next idea. God is saying, once you lose sight of my purpose, pain seems pointless. When you lose sight of why we're doing this thing, once comes pain and opposition and harm, there's no point to it. And I can't tell every Christians say, Pastor, what's the point? Why can't I have sex with my girlfriend? What's the point? Why, why can't I live loosely? What's the point? My next point is this, this, stop saying what's the point and start saying what's the purpose. Stop saying what's the point, you're missing it. Sometimes there might be no point, sometimes it's all purpose. Why? Because the world is...